To stay in shape, you have to hit the pavement. You have to put in some hard work and sweat along the way. Many of the same principles apply when it comes to money. Let's whip that portfolio into shape. It's time for Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Financially Fit. Thanks for tuning into the podcast with Kyle and myself as we talk investing finance and retirement. On the docket this week is obsolete retirement planning ideas. We're going to get into that in just a second. But first, what's going on, Kyle? How are you, man? Doing pretty good. I'm excited I'm here starting next week. We get to start teaching some of my live retirement educational classes again Oh, um, nice! here at the local university. So we're doing these at Kansas State University in Olathe. So I'm pretty excited. I We haven't done this back since the uh, beginning of March. Right. Um, so I kind of put some classes together and teach them through Retire Ready Academy as educational classes in Olathe. So we get to start those back up over the next few weeks here. So I'm excited to uh, get back in front of people. I know the classes fill up pretty quick and everything, and these are coming up pretty fast, but you can always go to uh, retirementacademy.org. Did I get that right? Yeah, retirereadyacademy.org. Retirereadyacademy.org. Okay. Or you can go to Kyle's website as well, mocanfinancial.com, uh, to learn more about the classes, mocanfinancial.com. But that's cool. Yeah, getting back out there and uh, I'm sure social distancing and all those things are in place, but at least you're able to go do some things again, right? Yeah, I just really like getting in front of people because you know I really like sitting in front of people that are willing to take the time out to invest in their retirement planning. And um, so, yeah, we're excited. Nice. The Social Security and Taxes classes first, and then we have our retirement re- uh, master class after that. So there you go, very cool. Well, again, folks, if you want to learn more about them and as they come up and schedules and things of that nature. Go to mocanfinancial.com. All right, so let's talk about some obsolete retirement planning ideas. I'm sure this stuff gets covered, actually, in some of your classing, at least some of this stuff. Some of the things that we talk about a lot of times on the podcast probably ends up making it uh, into your class teachings because a lot of these things are fairly universal. At least we think they are, but everybody's situation is so different. So in this case, much like our technology, right, like our phones, it seems like uh, two years is about the max we get out of these things anymore. I mean, they crank out a new one every year anyway, but battery life or whatever it is, you know, features or something, but it seems like we're always finding a way to replace things that we feel like are obsolete and tech usually gets it, but financial rules may or may not fall into that category as well. So let's start with the 4% rule, Kyle, because it's pretty well known. It's pretty popular. Most people know what it is, but just to kind of clarify, what is the 4% rule and do you think it's obsolete? You know, 4% was that, you know, Wall Street standard. I think it was in the late 80s when, you know, some somebody came out with it and then it was just adopted by the financial community. I'm pretty sure they won some type of, you know, awards. But the idea was when this was coming out, we need to think about what was kind of going on. And I think it was the late 80s. You know, what, what was your mortgage? What were interest rates back then? And it's typically, you know, hey, if I got a 60-40 portfolio, uh, 60% equities, 40% bonds, or you do some type of balanced portfolio, hey, if you pull out 4% a year of your account value, this money should last you 30, 35 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, we just live in a way different environment right now. We have record low interest rates, record high stock market, <laughs> record high volatility. And the 4% rule, you know, people, I think they get it, but they don't really understand how it applies to their investment philosophy. Is it, hey, if I got a million dollars, I get $40,000 a year. Well, hey, what happens if my account goes down to 900000 retirement? Do I have to live off less income? And I think the idea behind it is, you know, it gives you an idea of what you kind of need to have saved up. But I think it's hard to actually apply it to your retirement because you, you could have a fluctuating number in retirement. And, you know, you really need to ask yourself, hey, are you living, are you okay living off less some years and other years having, you know, income than you need in retirement? 
So, you know, we always want to adapt to kind of what's going on right now. And that's why we use in our planning practice, we use kind of a bucketing plan philosophy where we're going to kind of buy time with your money and kind of separate it into buckets based upon the time horizon of when we're going to uh, access it for income. And so we kind of throw away that 4% rule because the one thing you do not want to do when you're pulling out income in retirement is, is, you know, you take a loss, you do not want to be selling out or pulling out of your accounts. So that's how we use our bucket plan philosophy to kind of uh, get around any type of, you know, rules of planning ideas that may or may not work. Right. So, you know, the 4% rule, I would say, you know, we, I've read people out there that say, hey, you can only pull out 2% a year or, hey, you can pull out 5% a year. And the, it's based upon that investment philosophy because, you know, interest rates are just so low that these fixed incomes percentages are just, you know, they might not keep up with that. Yeah, I've heard it referred to now a lot of times as like the 2.75 or the 2.91, all sorts of kind of variations of two because things have changed so much. So it could potentially be obsolete depending on the situation. Everybody's, again, situation is a little bit different. So you want to always make sure that if you're hearing that or you're thinking about that, that it might just be a general rule of thumb uh, and really kind of dig further in and work with an advisor on on dissecting that more for your situation. So if that's the case and you were talking about, you know, some of the the way percentage rates are and things of that nature and interest rates and so on and so forth, then what do you think about the 10-5-3 rule? Uh, I know what it is, but go ahead and tell our listeners what it is. And do you think this one's obsolete? I'm guessing you probably do, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely <laughs> obsolete. I mean, 10-5-3, I, I think that this is really, most people don't understand what we're talking about. Really, it's like, okay, over time, the 10 stands for you should expect a 10% return on stocks or your equity holdings. Which um, the, may be possible in, in the last couple of years. We might have seen some of that, maybe. And the idea is you just need to understand like what 10-year window or what what's over time mean to you. Okay, true. That's fair. <laughs> you could be looking at a 10-year period of the lost decade. And not so much. 2000 to yeah. 2010, you did not get that. But right. over periods of time, you did. Um, the five basically stands for in the 10 five three is, you know, 5% return from bonds. And historically, you know, that's probably done more than that. But what we need to realize is, you know, where are we at today? And interest right. rates are historically low. So again, maybe to get that higher yield or return on your bonds, um, you have to invest in riskier or longer term bonds to get that. And again, does that meet your plan goals to, to have to be able to do that? Is there other ways maybe looking at bond alternatives to accomplish that 5%? And then the last one is we definitely know is not true. <laughs> the three in the ten five three rule stands for three percent return on cash. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I think if we were getting three percent return on cash, you wouldn't see very. You would see basically everything in either cash or equities and stocks right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're lucky if you're getting point three. Correct. I mean, yeah. most of us are going backwards in those types of accounts once you factor in inflation and taxes. Um, so we just need to understand these outdated rules in today's environments. Um, you know, over the long haul, you should expect your investments to do well, again, over time. And again, that's when I talked about the bucket plan philosophy that we adapt, we, we establish what's called a later bucket that we plan on not touching or accessing for 10 plus years. So that's really your growth bucket where we should experience those 10 plus returns from the stocks because we're not needing it for income. And if the market drops, you know, we're not going to freak out and sell out. We're going to ride it out. And over time, everything should go up. Okay. All right. So that's the ten five three rule. Uh, yeah, definitely feels a bit outdated right now, given the environment that we're currently in. Uh, what about the philosophy just in general, though? So we'll stick with stocks and bonds that we've all heard forever in a day, Kyle, that we should move more towards bonds as we get older. 
uh, simply because they're less risky. Exactly. And I think maybe in the 80s and 90s, this was true. <laughs> when you look at the record, you know, I mean, look, look at what bonds or interest rates were, um, I think in the 85, we've basically experienced a near, what, 30 plus year um, bull market in bonds because as they go down, you know, this is what we need to understand is these interest rates to get that higher yield on your bond, you're either taking on what risk to get it or a longer duration of a bond. And it's not that simple today. Um, we have a lot of bond alternatives that exist, um, maybe not so familiar or as popular, but just simply moving from stocks to bonds as you get older, uh, the idea of, hey, you need to be more conservative. Yeah, that can make sense. Um, but you know, if we're moving to more bonds and we're not getting that return that we need on our money, uh, we could face interest rate risk you know, in the future. So that's just something to keep in mind as far as bond alternatives go. You have a lot of different options out there that exist that maybe you don't have to take on that interest rate risk that uh, comes with that. Okay. All right. And again, a little bit maybe older way of thinking on some of that stuff. And as we are aging, you know, there's definitely a lot of different products and services now too that that just didn't exist then as well. So there's other ways to de-risk without necessarily you know, sacrificing other arenas. But yeah, again, you have to work with an advisor to talk about what's going to be best for you. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. And this next one, this possibly obsolete rule, this one just kind of bugs me for whatever reason. It's been around for quite a while as well. And that's that whole million dollar thing, uh, getting to the point where you have to have or whatever the case is. I don't know how we got there. I know there was some commercials that kind of did that or whatever, but, and maybe it's just because it sounds like a sexy number, but you know, they, you got to have a million dollars or you're just not ready for a retirement deal. Yeah, my first question is a million dollars and what type of account? <laughs> and also in I, what it, city, it, it, what state? It, it, <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, hey, I got a million dollars in my 401k. Well, you don't really have a million dollars. You could only have six hundred or seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars because you have a minority shareholder. True. So we have to under, understand, like, I think that's one thing I educate people in my classes is, is like, you can find your number, but that number is just kind of the starting point. I get to the point of having a million dollars is like, okay, but I think that number needs to keep growing. Because people need to understand, yeah, we're in a lower interest rate environment. And one, we don't want to fully distress test your your money here. Hey, maybe we can pull out 4% a year or 5% a year, whatever that percent is. But do you really want to push it to the max? Is that what we're trying to accomplish? We want to full on stress test your money. And um, you know, again, based on what some people I know need two to three, four, five million dollars because they have everyone's needs are different. Um, everyone's tax efficiency. You know, some people have no money in Roth IRAs. Everything they have is in tax deferred accounts. Um, they might need more than that million dollars because yeah. if taxes go up, you know, what are they going to do about it? Yeah. You know, so, others that I've sat down with uh-huh. only need 350000 because right. they have pensions and Social Security and their lifestyle is different. That's a great point. And lifestyle takes up a lot of that space. So, uh, you know, chasing a number to chase the Joneses maybe is not always the way to go. A lot of times it's not the way to go. So every situation is different. You could, if you live in the country in a more simple life, uh, maybe you can get by with less. Or maybe you live in the country when you've got a big farm or something and you need more. I mean, there's just lots of different scenarios that could play into that. So if it's just an arbitrary number to shoot for, sure, I guess I get it. It sounds, it sounds cool. It sounds sexy. It's a million duck bucks. I get to say I'm a millionaire you know, so on and so forth. But 
sit down with an advisor, find out if it's truly the number you need to be striving for, or if it's more, if it's less, or whatever the case might be. Because at the end of the day, it's really about the income streams, not necessarily what you've built up. Uh, what are you going to be able to get in income streams in retirement? And speaking of, uh, the last one is, uh, you know, we need less income in retirement, Kyle, than we do when we were working. Pretty standard. I get it. It makes sense in theory when you kind of step back for a second. You go, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have to buy, you know, maybe nice clothes as much as, as often because I'm not going to the office anymore or whatever. The, you know, there's lots of things that change when you stop working that might make it seem like you'll need less money. And I know that there's been a, a thing for many years where it says about 80% of what you uh, used to, you know, make in retirement is about all you need to live off of. But I think that's underestimating wanting to like enjoy retirement, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's just a rule of thumb. I mean, if you ask me right now, would I rather live off what I make or twenty percent less? I would say I want to live off what I'm making now, or twenty percent while more. I'm working, right? So again, that could be possibly true. I I do think that people tend to think they need more in retirement than they actually need, and actually have the retirement that they want. But the idea is you need to figure out maybe in these first ten years, like that's really what I see. People are going to spend a lot more of their money. Um, doing the traveling and whatever else it is, because life events will come up, um, you know, big travel plans, or you want to play golf every day, or you want to take care of your kid's wedding, or whatever it is, you want to take the grandkids to Disney World or Disneyland. Everyone's retirement is going to look different, um, right? Especially, you know, you know, you might right when you retire, now your house is paid off, so you don't have the mortgage payment or some other debt. Obviously, that pay decrease wouldn't make sense there. Um, but if you don't see any major drops from what you need while you're working, <laughs> from what you're going to need in retirement, I cannot imagine that you're going to need less income in retirement. Yeah, because I can't imagine most people come to you and don't they don't come and say, Kyle, I'd like to go backwards in retirement. So uh, I'm sure that's usually not the case a lot of times. So there you go, folks. There's some obsolete retirement planning uh, ideas, I guess, not necessarily rules, but just ideas that may or may not be, or maybe a little old fashioned, it may just may not work in the current environment we're in. So as always, double check with a qualified professional like Kyle before you take any action and see what is going to work well for you, help you get to and through retirement. And as we mentioned earlier on, he's back to doing classes as well. So if you'd like to learn more about that, go to mocanfinancial.com. That's mocanfinancial.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you like. There's a page for that as well. And you can uh, also just find it by typing financially fit in Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you choose. And as always, if you do have questions before you take any action, check with a qualified professional like Kyle Hammerschmidt, and you can call him at 913-257-3991. And that's going to do it this week for us on the podcast, Kyle. Thanks for your time, my friend. Hope you're doing well and enjoy the class. Thanks. Take care. We'll talk to you next time here, folks, on Financially Fit with Kyle Hammerschmidt. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., RWA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Mocan Financial and RWA are not affiliated. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. This information is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid tax penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. Please note that Mocan Financial and its affiliates do not give legal or tax advice. You are encouraged to consult your tax advisor or attorney.